Welcome back, everyone, to Duval Till We Pod. Uh, I'm your host, Daniel Griffiths. With me is JC. Uh, we had a, uh, we're finally back from draft week. It made uh, seven selections that we get to talk about today. Um, you know, j- there's some mixed reviews regarding how uh, most people felt about the Jaguars draft. Uh, but uh, before we get into that, how are you doing, my friend? I'm struggling to find meaning in my life now that the draft is over. I don't spend like hours a day hitting, uh, just refreshing box simulators that I'm playing with while I'm at work, supposed to be uh, diligent in my duties at my job. And I'm on PFF just constantly talking about who we could take at 106. A lot of of Jaguars uh, fans really happy about the uh, class, but I I can tell you, I'm, I am happy to start watching other prospects because I got tired of last year's draft. So I've already, uh, I've already started uh, taking a peek at next year. If you need a quarterback, there's going to be some good ones. Uh, And it it looks like uh, overall a lot better class than, uh, than this year. So you're telling me that next year when we pick first again, we'll actually be able to trade it this time. A good, good chance, <laughs> or or you take Will Richardson, um, or I'm sorry, uh, Will Anderson. So yeah, we we uh, Jaguars picked seven seven players. Uh, we had two uh, picks in the first round, two picks in the third round, and then we had 154, 196, and 222. I thought, especially in day one and day two, the Jaguars got some 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 really good value there. Um, but uh, if you if you want to start it off at the top, we got Trayvon Walker at number one. Yeah, and I. We knew it was coming, so I, I, there was no outrage for me when it came across the screen. Um, I had already talked myself into it, and I've spent the last, you know, almost week now just talking about, okay, why should we be happy? Okay, why should we be excited? Why should we be optimistic? And I think the optimism is going to come from the fact that uh, Travon Walker is going to be a really good defensive lineman. Him being a really good edge rusher is going to be remain to be seen but I think he's going to be a really good defensive lineman. I think he's going to be incredibly disruptive. Um, I think our defensive line coach, uh, Coach Buckner, is going to get the most possibly can out of Trevon. And, um, you know, then after that, it just became kind of sit back and watch the rest of the draft unfold and um, hopefully make some cash on Derek Singley going top five, which I did. That was fantastic. But, you know, there there was no outrage for me. Uh, If we would have been – all led to believe that it would have been Aiden Hutchinson or another player, and then it was Trevon. Sure, you probably get a little upset. There were a lot of people that wanted to go in a different direction, myself included. Um, I was big on uh, Iki Aquanu from North Carolina State uh, to just continue beefing up that O line, but uh, it was one of those things where there was no sense crying over spilled milk, essentially. Uh, I knew he was going to be the pick, most of us did. Um, so then it just became kind of like, okay, let, let, let's be positive. Let's, let's get excited about the things he does well. Yeah. And I, I think it, I think it has to start with his run defense. Um, you know, the Jaguars are in a division where it's, it's really heavy on the run. You got, uh, Jonathan Taylor and Indy Houston just drafted Damian Pierce. And then obviously you have Derrick Henry in, uh, in Tennessee. So you, you're looking at a division where stopping the run, it means more in this division than maybe in any other. So obviously that's nice, you know, getting, getting somebody that can just, you know, get, get, uh, help you out on that side of, uh, on that side of things. Um, uh, you know, and you're adding a huge piece to your offensive line, um, you know, in terms of size, length, um, speed. Uh, Georgia asked him to do some different things. Uh, they didn't ask a lot of their pass rushers to 
rush the passer, uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> it, it was a, uh, it was much more of a, hey, let's keep everything in front of us um, type defense. Uh, kudos to them. They had 15 players drafted. I believe it's uh, the most ever. Yep. Um, so that's, that's fantastic for that Georgia defense. Um, interested to see how they bounce back uh, this year after losing so many, uh, especially on their defense. Um, but yeah, Tra- Trevor Walker, uh, you know, he, he's got some help on that defensive front. And on the defensive line, uh, among the big boys, he, he's probably the guy that you're most hopeful for to have a big year coming into this year. Uh, but but on the outside, he's going to have Josh Allen and Arden Key um, there to, to hopefully help him rush the passer. You know, if he if he can if he's impactful, you know, at least in getting pressures, you know, forcing those forcing the quarterback into Arden Key and Josh Allen, you know, that's just as meaningful as sack number. So it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not all about sacks, uh, especially when. Trayvon's going to be playing, you know, more of a, a, a hand in the dirt type role uh, with with Josh Allen and Arden Key playing on the outsides in in our three four base with multiple looks. However, you know, we're we're obviously not sure, you know, exactly what those multiple looks will look like. You know, we haven't haven't uh, got the season underway yet, uh, but I think Trayvon Walker, uh, Arden Key, and Josh Allen is is a pretty solid trio that you're really excited for going forward. And I think you should be, Uh, you know, you get three guys that have played at a really high level where they've been uh, three SEC defensive linemen, Uh, Arden Key, obviously an LSU alum, Josh Allen from Kentucky and now Trevon Walker from Georgia. So uh, three guys that are used to playing against really good offensive linemen, guys that have played well in the NFL, you know, Arden Key struggled in Oakland and Vegas for the first three years and then had a really big year in San Fran. They were able to kind of find where he fit, and he gets six and a half sacks. Um, we've seen in the past, uh, you know, was Josh Allen spectacular in 2021? No, um, except for the Buffalo game where he was, you know, very spectacular. He had about four um, four games or so where he was noticeably the best player on our team, four or five years. His best season was his rookie year alongside Calais Campbell. Now, I'm not claiming that we have Calais on this team, but Josh Allen is at his best when he's got a counterpart. And Caleb Von Chason has not been that yet. So when you are able to give, quote, unquote, Josh Allen, Arden Key, and Trevon Walker, you're doing him a massive favor. Uh, Josh Allen might benefit more than anybody else on the roster from the Trevon Walker uh, draft pick just because it takes pressure off of him. And you, you got to look at Smoot too. Uh, you know, we're, we're not exactly sure how much how much playing time Smoot's going to get. Um, I would imagine him and Roy Roberts and uh, Harris will get a good amount of snaps at the uh, at the other big end position. Adam so Gatsis is resigned, also. Yeah. Um, Another productive. Smoot play. had a Smoot had a pretty good year. He's not you know all star you know defensive end but you know he was pretty productive last year um about as productive as josh allen was so that's uh that's really exciting you know to see if uh if, if Dwayne smooth is also someone that that could be uh positively impacted from the addition of trayvon walker but uh, that defensive front against the run should be much better going forward and that was a big problem um at times last year you know with the additions uh, that we'll talk about later at linebacker uh, and, and on the defensive line. Um, you know, the Jaguars should be looking uh, to be in a much brighter position defensively heading into next season. Yeah, and so, you know, you, you bolster up to stop the run. But we also did things in free agency, you know, just talk about pre-draft. 
um, to bolster the second and third uh, line also of the defense. You know, you had a uh, foyer at linebacker. You had Darius Williams at DB to where, like, not only are we going to be able to stop the a lot of the rushing attack of the AFC South, but we're also going to be better against the pass than we were in 2021. So I think I think the vision was clear, and I think that uh, Mike Caldwell is a very, very happy man, uh, depending on from the moment he was hired to and now how much that defense has transformed and just gotten better from the unit we saw in 2021, which, um, you know, at times the defense, at a lot of times the defense in 2021 was the only reason we didn't get more. Um, and so, you know, you improve that unit, and that is a friend to a young quarterback is having a really good defense. Um, you know, most young QBs, when they find success early, it is because they have really good – uh, defense on the other side of the ball, helping him out. Um, you know, just Lamar Jackson had success early on in his career, and Baltimore has always had at least five to six studs on their defense, really, at all times. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 a formula that's worked before. And I think that the defense – I think the D-line is, is probably the – not just D-line specifically, because if you're going to run a 3-4 look, you have to include those outside linebackers kind of when you talk about the D-line. Um, but that front seven uh, is going to be – is the strength of the team right now. Um, when you look at just, like, what you feel the best about uh, as far as the outlook for the 2022 season. Yeah, and speaking of Mike Caldwell, you know, his expertise is linebacker, and that's where the Jaguars decided to go at 27 with Devin Lloyd. I love Devin Lloyd coming into the draft um you know he's he's a he's a linebacker that really was a leader for utah team and uh and led them to their first pac-12 championship he uh you know he's able to rush the passer he had more sacks in fact than trayvon walker did as a off-ball linebacker for utah in the pac-12 obviously uh you know uh, strength of schedule there differs but uh but still you know he's an incredibly impactful player tackles for loss i believe he had 22 if i'm not mistaken tackles for loss uh he had eight or eight and a half sacks uh and he's also very good in coverage for an off-ball linebacker uh, which a lot of linebackers struggle with she and going back to trayvon walker and devin lloyd uh, as well as chad muma these are guys that are well above the 9.0 ras threshold that uh you know the Jaguars are looking, really looking at. Um, they and they went off the uh, went went off the script with uh, their first third round pick with Luke Fortner, um, but they uh, they put athleticism aside there to, to choose the better player. Um, but Devin Lloyd, I think, if you're looking at this draft draft class to make an, a, an immediate impact, I think Devin Lloyd uh, has has you know the the uh, odds on favorite to have the biggest impact in year one. I think he's going to be a, an absolute stud from day one. Yeah, and Lee. Leading up to the draft, there were really only two linebackers for the most part that were at all really mocked to go in the first round for the longest time. And it was N'Kobe Dean out of Georgia and Devin Lloyd out of Utah. And as we got closer to the draft, Quay Walker's name became really hot out of Georgia uh, to the point to where it was rumored that that's who Trent Baalke really liked at 33. Well, then it became basically a foregone conclusion that Quay Walker was going to go in the first round. And if we wanted him, we were going to have to move up for him. Well, he ends up going as the first linebacker taken. Um, and then Trent Baalke did something that I did not expect him to do. Thank you, Packers. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Dilla 
tweeted out Thursday morning that someone told him, don't go to bed early tonight. That there was at least some talks very early in the day that the Jaguars might be looking to move up to make sure they get one of the top guys they liked. Um, and so Trent Bucky does what I did not expect him to do because I sometimes question how uh, much manly fortitude, <laughs> aggressiveness that Trent Bucky has to get things done. Um, but he he makes a really kind of no brainer trade, and, and this draft class with there not being a quarterback at the top, uh, trades were a lot cheaper than they've been in the past. So uh, Trent Baalke able to package pick 33 at the top of the second round, 106 at the top of the fourth, and 180 at the top of the sixth uh, to move up to 27. And uh, when, when the name popped up that we had traded up and I already knew that, you know, uh, Tyler Lindenbaum was gone and Quay Walker was gone, I was kind of like, if this isn't Devin Lloyd, then I, I don't know what to say. Like, and I just expected the worst. I expected us to take some guy that ESPN would have been like, oh, well, you didn't really expect him to go in the first round because I figured that's what was coming. A little strange. Um, and I, I thought Mel Kuyper was going to destroy us like he had been for the Trevon Walker pick. Well, but then we take Devin Lloyd, and you leave day one, the casual Jaguars fan leaving day one, had we only picked it number one, leaving it, I don't want to say disappointed, but not not very excited if we walk away with just Trevon Walker. But if someone would have told me Thursday morning that we would have been walking away with Trevon Walker and Devin Lloyd, I would have said, sign me up for that 100 out of 100 because I would rather have Trevon and Devin Lloyd than Aiden Hutchinson and somebody that probably didn't deserve to go in the first round if Balky would have done probably a mistake like we expected. But he gets a guy that, honestly, if I had a place of bet, if I was guaranteed by a fortune teller that the Jaguars were going to have a defensive player win rookie of the year this year, I'm putting my bet on Devin Lloyd over Trevon Walker because I think Devin Lloyd is going to do so many different things. He's going to rush the passer. He's going to be able to play in coverage, as he's shown at Utah, where he had a, you know, a ton of interceptions for a linebacker. Um, he's going to be great against the run. Um, and his, like, you hear him talk, his, his character is out of this world, which Travon's seems like it is also. So it's not like he's better than Travon in the character department. It seems like they're both fantastic young men um, from what, you know, from the press conferences and what we've heard coaches say and analysts say and people that have dealt with them. Um, but it seems like Balky hit maybe his biggest home run as Jaguars GM in the Devin Lloyd trade. Yeah, and you're, and you're looking at a guy that, that really could have the, that Micah Parsons-type impact, not quite to that level. I, I don't expect Devin Lloyd to you know, have one of the greatest rookie seasons ever. But just in terms of, of what um, – what he can do, what that versatility, you know, rushing the passer, dropping into coverage, you know, sideline to sideline. He, he's definitely, you know, he's got, he's got the speed size um, and pass rush repertoire as, a, as an off ball linebacker to be able to do that. Um, you know, you leave day one, a lot, a lot happier with Devin Lloyd. You know, you feel like you got two of the best players in the draft. Um, I would argue. Uh, so, you, you know, you're going into, you're going into day two with uh, with a much brighter outlook than, than maybe if you uh, if you hadn't traded up to take Devin Lloyd. And a lot of Jaguar fans had issue with trading up to take a linebacker. And uh, I get it. Linebacker isn't um, 
you know, as, as high caliber as a position as, as, you know, maybe some other positions. Um, but at the same time, if you have the chance to go up and take two of the best players in the draft, you know, that's, that's definitely something you want to consider. Two top 12 talents. Yeah. Two it, top 12 talents. You look, you look at a guy like Creed Humphrey last year. Um, you know, one, he was, he was regarded as one of the best players in the draft, ended up falling really far. And he was a, he was like an all pro center last year. Uh, so, you know, the Jaguars saw an opportunity to take two, uh, you know, starters and immediate impact players to, uh, and two of the best players in the draft. And, and they went and did that at, at 27. And that brings us next to uh, them drafting uh, Kentucky interior offensive lineman. Uh, we assume center Luke Fortner. My absolute favorite big boy in this entire draft. Um, you know, I had, I was shout nine, out to the big uh, fellas. Shout out to the yeah. thickums. I, I was I was not apologetic about who I loved in this draft for the Jaguars. Really, just not for the Jaguars, but just for the NFL in general. Um, you know, I was huge on Malik Willis at quarterback. Um, Damone Clark, the linebacker from LSU, was my absolute favorite player in the entire draft. Uh, who, who I hope his surgery and recovery goes really well. Um, I'm happy you got. He'll drafted. have to miss the 2022. Yeah, I mean, he's a second round talent that went in the fourth round because he is going to miss the 2022 season. Um, because of spinal fusion surgery. Um, but then I, you know, I constantly, I mean, I remember tweeting like pictures of Luke Fortner and tagging the Jack social account saying, bring him to me. Like I was, I wanted Luke Fortner really bad. He was a really good center. Um, he has played guard. Um, he, he was a part of a offensive line that was a finalist for the Joe Moore award, which is goes out to the best offensive line in the country every year. And, um, I mean, that line was loaded. I mean, you had, you know, two draft picks in Darian Kennard and uh, Luke Fortner. You had Darren Rosenthal who got picked up. And then you have guys that are coming back, which is good news for Kentucky. You know, uh, he comes from a very good unit that plays in a really tough division, going against guys like Trevon Walker, going against guys like Zachary Carter, uh, going against, you know, really, really good guys in the front seven. And uh, I just – I love replacing – you replace, you know, Brad Meester with Brandon Linder, and then you replace Brandon Linder with Luke Fortner, and, and it feels like your center position is, is handled for the next decade. Yeah, and uh, like I said earlier, you know, I, I expected Balky to go in a different direction there. You know, I, I thought that Luke Fortner was the most uh, immediate, ready, immediate um you know, impact player there if you were going to go offensive line. But there's a lot of other options that they could have gone. You know, Dylan Parham, you know, had a, had a great uh, RAS. And based on Balky's history, you know, he's a guy that loves those really high ceiling, uh, very athletic guys. And uh, it, it looks like here he, he took a step back and, and went with the better player overall. Uh, and, a, and a player that can start right away for you. You don't have any concerns. Um, you know, he's a little bit older. He's, he's almost 24 now. Um, but, you know, extremely high character, uh, smart guy, which is important for center, especially with a really young quarterback with uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know, dude's got a master's in aerospace engineering at Kentucky. So you're, you're looking at the offensive line and you're feeling a lot better with, uh, with the depth that they have there. You know, he may, he may uh, he, I imagine there's going to be a camp battle uh, early on in the year between him and Shatley. Uh, we'll see what goes on there. Uh, and we'll also see what goes on at left guard. Um, you know, don't, don't count Fortner or Shatley out at left guard to compete with Barch there. Assuming, assuming obviously that uh, Scherf plays right. 
which I, I think is a, a safe assumption at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely see a scenario where the quote-unquote loser of the center competition starts at left guard. Uh, if you're just looking to put the, uh, the best five out there, there are some people, uh, unverified people uh, on Twitter, like talking about there's a rumor that Jawan Taylor might get bumped inside to guard. Um, but if he does that, you expect him to not start probably. Um, not at right. Definitely not at right. I don't, guard. I don't see what um, that. I don't see what that. I don't. I don't see what that. Does no, uh, I think I think you let Walker Little and Jawan Taylor out on the right. I think you let the combination of Barch, Shatley, and Luke Fortner at guard and left guard and center, and kind of see how that trio plays out. Um, I've kind of been happy. I, with I love Barch. the pick. I've kind of been happy with Barch. I mean, he's not. He's not uh, I, I, I like Ben Barch. Uh, you know, he's a different cat. Uh, obviously, the smoothie thing was fantastic. Um, I had the pleasure of talking to his head football coach uh, a couple years ago when he got drafted, and the guy raved about him about his work ethic. I mean, he came in as a as a 215 pound tight end to St. John's University, and he left as a larger than life guard. Um, and you know, as as the NFL has, has shown us and has proved those. D2, D3 guys when it comes to O-line play, like that doesn't mean they're not a good O-lineman. I mean, obviously people have proven that, and Ben Barch is a really good football player who will have a chance to start. Uh, was Shatley re-signed here to continue to be that really good interior depth piece? That could have been the plan all along. You know, I think that – I think the Fortner pick kind of leans towards uh, Doug Peterson a little bit. You talk about how Dylan Parham out of Memphis – uh, even though whoever announced his pick in the draft uh, announced him for being from Mississippi. I think that was Wayne Newton because <laughs> I think – didn't he go to the Raiders? Um, anyway, so I think, you know, it was no secret. Doug liked O-line early in the draft. They didn't go in that direction. I feel like the fact that we took a guy who had a lower RAS but was considered the overall better football player probably leans to the influence of Doug Peterson in the draft room. Yeah, he, he can start right away for you. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what our starting uh, offensive line looks like week one. But, uh, but I, I think him, him and Shatley is going to be uh, one of, if not they can't battle to, to watch um, as, we, as we near training camp in the preseason. Five picks later, Jaguars went and got another incredibly athletic linebacker, Chad Muma from Wyoming. And, uh, you know, Muma was, was a player that – a lot of people thought the Jaguars could take a 33, uh, and I expected him to go in the second round as well. You know, he had a higher RAS than Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd was like 9.33. Chad Mumo was in the 9.6s. Incredibly athletic, um, incredibly good character from what it looked like uh, when he was talking to, uh, you know, having his press conferences and talking to media. Um, I believe he was the player that he asked for the playbook, uh, if they could send him the playbook on his plane ride to Jacksonville. Uh, so that was pretty cool there. But this this screams more best available player, and I uh, and I'm okay with it. Um, a lot of people were uh, a little hesitant about us drafting two linebackers in the first four picks, um, but you look at Muma and you look at a guy that you just you, it's hard to it's hard to not pick him at 70. You know, it's a fantastic football player. Could start right away for you. Uh, I don't believe he'll start right away for us, but. Uh, but for a lot of other teams, he's a guy that could come in and be an immediate impact player. Uh, I, I'm sure he'll get some snaps this season. Um, we'll see just how much, you know, 
just how many looks he gets with Devin Lloyd and, and Foye at linebacker. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if something happens and somebody goes down with injury, you know, he's a guy that can step in and be, uh, be a playmaker for you in that, uh, in the back, back of that front seven. Well, I mean, you need more than two good players at the position of linebacker, uh, inside linebacker, uh, you know, and we have, you know, Shaq Quarterman, who a lot of people around Duval like, uh, he's a local guy. Um, but you need more than two players that are really good in a position, and although some might call Chad Muma a luxury pick, which maybe it is a little bit, but we took the best player on the board. We took a guy that was worthy of being a second-round pick, um, a guy that's just incredibly athletic, RAS, like you said, is off the charts, um, you know, really, really good linebacker with an eye for the football, great athlete. I mean, you see him uh, – there was a clip that got shared out of him jumping straight up on a vertical and blocking a field goal. That was just sick athleticism. Um like there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with going like really back to back or so or like drafting two of the same position early in the draft. Basically, the only way it looks dumb is if you take like two quarterbacks or two running backs like early back to back in the draft. But if you take a receiver in the first and third or a linebacker in the first and third or an O line in the first and third, like you're just building quality depth and adding guys that are potential starters. I mean, Chad Move is going to play a ton. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson mentioned it. Chad Muma is going to probably be the best special teams player we have this year. Um, and then he's going to get a ton of looks on defense. I think you're going to see – you're going to see looks where uh, Travon Walker is at defensive end, I think, in the four-tech in a three-man front with Devin Lloyd on the outside rushing the passer, Josh Allen on the other side, and you have Muma and Foyer in the middle. I'm not saying it's going to be our base defense, but there will be a package – where we're going to have all those fast linebackers and pass rushers on the field together, third and six plus, you know, in certain situations. And that's going to be a package that I think is going to be really exciting. So I was extremely excited. And the people that were talking, oh, you know, another linebacker, and they made jokes about it in day three too. Like, oh, have we drafted another linebacker yet? Guys, we took good football players. And when you're the Jaguars and we consistently complain on Sundays in the fall about how bad our players are, just and like the draft network had like a slogan this uh, spring called "Just Draft Good Players" or something like that, and and, and they did, and and that and that was a positive thing. The first four picks, it honestly could not have gone really any better. I, I have heard it's advantageous to draft good football players. That's the heard, rumor. I have heard, you know, it's you know, it's it's the it's the rumor, but I've heard the more good football players you have on your team the better chance you have to be good. Yeah, I have sources telling me that good football players are a good thing to have. Um, and, and if you have to look at it from a GM's perspective as well, um, that they're not just drafting for this year. You know, it, it's a, it's a, a three, four, five-year outlook you're drafting these guys. Chad Moom is going to be, you know, you know, you would imagine on the team for the next four years. You have to look at it from a, a, a more uh, – you have to step back and look at it with more more broad lens. Uh, you know, it's not just about 2022 for the NFL draft. It's about, hey, what are we looking at in three, four years? And if you believe that Chad Muma ha has the potential to be an impact player on defense for the next five years and you couldn't see anyone else filling that role for you, you take Chad Muma. If you think he's going to be the most impactful player for the next five years on your team, you know, uh, he may not see the field as much in year one, but in year two, he may be a starter, year three. Um, so I, 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 uh, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to nag Trent Balky too much for taking the best player, the, the uh, assumed the best player available there. I think it was a good pick. Um, Jaguars got four really good, possibly day one impact players in, in the first two days. And, uh, and I think that the Jaguar fans should be really excited um, about that, you know, and, and Devin Lloyd, I love his number choice. 33. I love it. Yeah, people, uh, there's still a lot of old school people that are, like, upset about, like, linebackers should wear 50. And I'm like, God, does it really matter? Who cares? If it's Trevor a- Lawrence wins the NFL MVP, I don't care if he wears 96. Like, who it's, cares? 33 is an aesthetically pleasing number. Yeah, it's great. I wish you would uh, – part of me who is sentimental wishes he would have worn 22 because of the story and the history there at Utah. Um, that might have been a painful deal uh, to kind of have to, you know, relive that with that number choice. NFL just needs to let zero be a number. I mean, college football and high school do it now, so just let the pros wear zero. Um, I don't care if the pros wear X, like Goldberg and Longest Yard. Like, if they're good, let them wear whatever they want. Um, So, you know, 33 is a good number choice. Some of these other draft picks number choices aren't great right now, but you have to assume, you know, a la Jalen Ramsey, like some of these guys are going to wait for somebody to get cut or something and get a better number (laughs) down the road. Um, But most of our draft picks were able to get their numbers. Ramsey would have been an NFL bust if he continued to wear 38. He, he, just, he wouldn't have been good. His back would have never hurt in Jacksonville. No, there, he would there have, was uh, no way played out all his days. He would have. He would have. Uh, he would have been awful if he kept 38. So, so I think honestly, it's hard for me to not give Thursday and Friday an A grade. Like it's really hard for me not to, because even if you don't give Travon Walker an A grade. I have to give the next three picks an A grade. Uh, I think getting Devin Lloyd is incredibly impactful. I mean, linebacker last year, you know, and I thought Damian Wilson played okay. Luckily for us, he signed with someone else before he got in his trouble recently. But if, when you go from Miles Jack, who I know Miles Jack is very much loved by the fans, and for good reason. But if you go from Miles Jack and Damian Wilson to Devin Lloyd and Foya Aluakun, like that's a, that's a huge jump like when you're just talking about like net positives, you know, like that's a De- huge jump in talent. De- Devin Lloyd's and, your best player here on the, uh, where compared to value and where they were picked Devin Lloyd's. Yeah, without a doubt. And, there, and there's a reason you go get him because, you know, the, the rumor was that new England was going to take him at 29. And I like, think, I think looking at who they picked, I think that that. Yeah. I think, I, I don't want to say they panicked, but I think they definitely had to settle. Yeah. Um, now granted you settled and, this isn't a Patriots podcast, but Cole Strange is a really good player. Um, Not a first-round like player. Todd. No. Uh, but, <laughs> but if he makes six Pro Bowls, yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, so, but, you know, let's, uh, let's get on to the little bit more hard to decipher and really talk about impact of, of day three. So, so the pick of Stoop Connor running back Ole Miss at 154 is, is really the one that – I, I just look at Trent Balky and I'm trying to figure out what, what his thought process was there. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I do uh, a lot of NFL draft, you know, ma- making sure I know who's in the class and, and stuff like that. And I had no idea who Snoop Connor was. Never heard of him. Uh, I saw running back uh, Mississippi and I was like, we picked a guy that's not Jerry on Ely. Um, Cause Jerry on Ely was a highly regarded uh, running back from Ole Miss in this class. And, uh, and I, I had never heard of Snoop Connor. Um, 
so I want, I want to preface this by saying I have not watched him. Um, so I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to bash on a kid that, you know, may, may end up being, you know, a good football player. Um, but there was zero buzz around this guy heading into the draft. Uh, I, I had not seen a single player mention his name. Um, so it may be that, that you know, this dude's a, uh, a guy that, uh, you know, comes into Jacksonville and, and outperforms his college production and, and where people uh, where people expected him to go. Um, but to me, this kind of is reminiscent of the uh, Quincy Williams, you know, selection. Drafting a player um, a lot higher than, than most people had them going. So by Quincy Williams, do you mean that in three years he's going to go somewhere else and be really good? Uh, he's a running back. So, I mean, running backs are, you know, a dime a dozen. He'll, he'll go to so, San Francisco, have like 200-yard games, and then never hear from him again. So, what I think is I think I think Trent Baalke is – as much as people like to bash Trent Baalke, I don't think Trent Baalke is stupid. I think he's a very egotistical guy, and I think that Trent Baalke was feeling himself after Thursday and Friday. And so, I think he knew – that he could kind of play with who he wanted to go grab in day three of the draft. I feel like he knows he hit a home run on the first two days. And so he went and got a guy that nobody projected. Yeah, I think Pro Football Focus had had Snoop as like the 800th overall player uh, in the entire draft. Obviously not a lot of buzz there, but you get a guy who played running back in the SEC. He put up moderate numbers. You know, he was the second-best running back on his team. But we've seen guys like this pan out before. There have been guys that weren't superstars in college that have found a way to have – to play a role in the you NFL. Don't, you, you don't have to worry about wear and tear on his legs. No, exactly. And so, when the Jaguars are totally healthy, he's your third running back and a special teams stalwart. You know, he plays on all special teams. And that's what Doug mentioned. Uh, you know, Coach Peterson mentioned that they expect Snoop to play a really big role in special teams. Um, and, you know, and that's where a lot of the value comes from fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks is, like, if you're going to make the team, you better love running down on kickoff, you know. Um, and so I, I think that we, we, we needed a running back. For me, it was a position of need going into the draft. I, I was fine and, with the position. It, it was just more so the player. Yeah, because um, now we liked Ty Davis Price out of LSU. He goes surprisingly into the third round. I believe when we took Snoop, Hashan Haskins was gone also already, another guy who took a top 30 visit to the Jaguars. Um, I believe he was gone off the board. Um, there were still some running backs I liked. I Pierre really liked – uh, was there, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I really liked Strong. I really liked uh, Price out of Florida International. He was another player that I enjoyed. Um but I'm not going to – I'm not – in the moment I was worried about, okay, who like, – I don't know much about this guy. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a fifth-round pick after we did really well with the first four picks. Um, he's going to start the year as your number two, uh, maybe number three running back, and then obviously third or fourth once James Robinson is healthy. Um, I think he gives you a, a thumper you know, to kind of compliment Travis Etienne early in the season until you find out what the health of James Robinson is. Um, I'm not going to worry. He seems like a like another high character, a really good dude. Um, I don't know if you saw his first press conference with the team. Um, had a daughter uh, at 16 when he was in high school. Um, so has basically tried to be a dad while being a SEC running back. 
um, which I'm sure is incredibly difficult. So he's definitely a guy of high character. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad myself and doing it at 30 is tough. So I couldn't imagine doing it at 17. Um, so, you know, he's a guy that definitely has my respect already. And I'm excited to see if, you know, Doug Peterson, uh, you know, Bertie Parmalee, our running back coach, who was one of the two holdovers from the previous staff, um, who seemed to be very well respected um, by our team last year. He was kind of the fall guy for the James Robinson fumble issue with Urban Meyer. Uh, Urban had a lot of fall guys. Uh, and Parmalee, you know, he's a former teammate of Coach Peterson, so obviously they have a tight bond. And I, I think I think that Snoop will serve his role well because we're not going to ask him to do that much. Like, he's a fifth-round pick. He's going to play on special teams. He's going to get occasional carries. Um, shoot, hey, if, if he can be your guaranteed great pass protector on third down when we need to throw the ball, then he, he already serves his purpose as a fifth-round pick. Yeah, I, I wish he was a little more active in the uh, the passing game as a receiver for Ole Miss, um, but uh, that didn't really seem to be the case in their offense. He, he never broke 100 yards in a season. Uh, and then getting to the last two, um, kind of kind of two players that the Jaguars looked at, and, and uh, you know, I assume that they thought that they needed some more depth at corner and thought that these two players uh, more – you know, Gregory Jr. especially is more of a, um, you know, uh, more of a projection coming from uh, Wachita Baptist. If I, if I have that okay, I, I was I was just about to ask you to pronounce that because I wanted to laugh at you being a Florida guy. Um, it is Wachita. Okay. Pronounce it like it's a W. So, yeah, uh, Wachita is the university in Arkansas, and it's also a parish. We have parishes in Louisiana, not counties. Um, it is a parish in Louisiana also. We have Washita Parish, which is the parish that Doug Peterson played his college football in at Louisiana Monroe. Uh, so Doug was the only one in the building. Uh, they said that in a press conference. It was pretty funny. The only one in the building that knew how to pronounce that. Um, so, yes, uh, Washita Baptist. And, I, and I'm, I was standing on the table for the guy. Like, at first I didn't know who he was. But then I, when I, I saw where he was from, I got really excited. I remembered uh, people um, – I, I vaguely remember people mentioning him at the Senior Bowl, and it was all, uh, it was all you know, positive remarks about, about his time there at the Senior Bowl. And, and credit to Jim Nagy and those guys for finding players like that. Uh, back, believe, back to back episodes of the uh, Do All Till We Pod. Yeah, Jim Nagy shout out. The senior Bowl and Jim Nagy, which um, is deserving. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's an incredible asset for NFL teams to find players that, you know, maybe maybe they they, uh, they don't have their eyes on or, or haven't looked at. Um, and, and Jim Nagy and those guys, uh, you know, they have more of a of a uh, a broadened scope because they're not they're not picking players for specific teams. So they, they're they're a lot more broad than than maybe NFL teams are, and, and they can go out and look for those uh, you know quote unquote sleeper guys. Uh, and Gregory Jr. is one of those, you know, um, you know, the, the Jaguars are hoping that he can come in and compete with the Chris Claybrooks and uh, Trey Herndon's of the world there and, and maybe, uh, you know, find his spot on the roster and, and uh, maybe compete with the other uh, pick that we have, uh, Monteric or Buster Brown from Arkansas, uh, you know, a, a first team all SEC player. Yeah. And uh, what excited me most, you know, like I said about Gregory Jr. was where he was from. Now, I'm a big-time small school guy. I played Division three college football uh, at a school no one's ever heard of. So, like, I, I respect the guys that know that they're good enough to play 
um, at the next level uh, to play at the NFL level, even though that they didn't go to the biggest university. And we see guys every year come from very small uh, schools and thrive. And, you know, and I think Gregory Jr., um, everything you hear about him is just positive. Uh, he's a guy that, um, you know, we have a need for corner depth. You know, it wasn't a big need going in the draft because you had Darius Williams in free agency. You have Tyson Campbell and Shaq Griffin. But it's a depth need. Anytime it's you can, starter need. Yeah. Anytime you can draft a guy who's super athletic and is going to shine on all your special teams and has the accolades of, hey, this guy went to, you know, the school you've never heard of that you can't pronounce, but yet he was invited to the Senior Bowl and he locked up. Romeo Dobbs, he locked up Christian Watson when had the opportunity. Like, this is a guy that can play football and obviously uh, incredibly smart guy. Uh, it just got released, I think, Monday that he was also uh, all academic. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so, thing. obviously, an, an incredibly smart guy, going to be a smart football player. Uh, and he he's a guy who's going to make the team, I think, strictly off of special teams value, athleticism, and the fact that oh, hey, Shaq needs to come out for a play because his helmet came off. You know, when somebody needs a breather or somebody's banged up, I think he has that ability based on what he's shown. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's going to be competing with uh, Monteric Brown from Arkansas uh, to be that, uh, you know, possibly the final corner on our, on our team come uh, when they, you know, make the, make the 53-man cuts. Um, I didn't know a lot about Monteric Brown, Buster Brown, um, coming out of Arkansas. Aside from watching Traylon Burks, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a whole lot of reason to watch Arkansas football uh, this past year. Um, you know, they they uh, they actually had a half decent year, but Buster Brown, you know, he made the All SEC team, and I just look at it and I was like, how, how does this guy not have that much buzz when he's a all uh, you know first team All SEC player? So I'm not sure. Uh, I I haven't. Uh, he wasn't a player that I watched, so I, I'm interested to you know go back and look at the Arkansas tape and see you know, what's the disconnect between scouts and, uh, you know, this guy was a, a first team, you know, all SEC player. Why isn't he as highly regarded as, uh, as maybe some other corners? Um, so I'm interested to see uh, that, um, you know, Gregory Jr., I'll admit, is my favorite player that we drafted on day three. But, uh, but I'm, I'm very intrigued with uh, Buster Brown coming from, you know, Arkansas with, uh, you know, the, the accolades that he had. Uh, you know, anytime you can get a guy who's first team all SEC, especially in the seventh round of the draft, I mean, no matter what really position he plays, because you're not drafting a starter, you know, at that point, you're not drafting somebody that's going to come in and play right away. Uh, you're drafting a depth guy that can hopefully play on special teams. Um, and so, I mean, this guy was first team all SEC. And like, look, the RAS, like the score, the scores are important. But we see plenty of guys overcome poor scores. Um, so I'm looking at his RAS now. He had a very, very bad RAS. Um, Ontario Brown was a 4.25 on the RAS scale. Um, he tested really bad in bench, vertical, uh, his 20-yard split, his shuttle, and his three-cone were all listed as very poor. Um, now where he was, you know, great was his height. Um, he was pretty good at weight. He, he's just under 200 pounds. Um, pretty good broad jump at 4.55 in the 40, um, which I remember when 4.55 used to be absolutely blazing. And now it's funny that people talk like that slow uh, for like skill positions. Well, because now you have defensive tackles that run it. 
but he's he's a first team All SEC player, and you don't make first team All SEC if you're not a good football player. Um, so there, you can kind of throw the RAS out the window and not assume that it's going to hurt uh, Buster Brown. I think he's going to add tremendous special teams value. Um, he was a safety in high school. I was so, going to say. I was going to say like. When you when you read off his numbers, I was like, "This sounds this sounds safety ish." <laughs> yeah, and so, so could he have been drafted to be depth? If he keeps Andrew Wingard off the field, then I'll buy a Monteric Brown jersey and wear it every Sunday this season. I'm hoping I'm hoping that that's Daniel Thomas. I hope Daniel Thomas is our third safety. Well, Daniel Thomas, or Rayshon Jenkins, Andre Cisco, and Monteric Brown are all better than Andrew Wingard. Rudy Ford. Yeah, at, at at safety. Look, I know Andrew Wingard is good on special teams, and that is very important. There is value there. But there's a reason that nobody else offered him a tender and that he had absolutely no visits reported to any other team after the Jaguars gave him an RAF tender. He's not desired by anybody else in the league. He, he, and he led the league in mistake. I, I thought he – and hopefully he does it this year because he doesn't have the opportunity to miss them. Um, but o- overall, I-, I had a at, like I had a hard time being upset with day three because of how good day one and two were. Snoop Connor, um, I'll be honest, you, know, you kind of fine. I'm fine with the Gregory Jr. and, and Buster Brown picks. Uh, Snoop Connor is really the only one I look at and I question their thought process. There. Yeah, because you, well, you trade it up to guarantee that you get him. Um, so you know, for those of you that don't, for the people that are listening that don't know. We owned pick 157 in the fifth round. Uh, we agreed to trade that pick to the Tampa Bay Bucks before we traded up for Snoop Connor. So it wasn't like – so a lot of people thought we traded up from 157, which my thought was, uh, you know, who are we trying to take him from? Because I think Cleveland and Dallas were picking after us at, uh, or before us at 155 and 156. Neither one of those need running backs. Um, no. And so, at first, I was kind of excited when I thought we were keeping 157 and drafting a 154 because I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Um, but it turned out that we had already agreed to trade 157 to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, a trade that really was pretty good, honestly, because you give up your seventh-round pick at the end of the draft and a fifth for a fourth next year, which having two fourths, I mean. And next year's you know, next year's supposed to be yeah. a better draft. Yeah, and you can get – and I'm sure at some point we'll trade some veteran in camp for, like, another six-round pick like we do every year. Um, hopefully um, – because I know, like, Dallas – now, granted, they fixed, they did some stuff in the draft, but I know Dallas liked Chase on coming out of LSU. Would they give you a fifth or sixth-round pick for him if you're going to cut him anyway, you know? Um, like last year, Malcolm Brown was going to get cut by the Saints anyway, but we threw him a seventh-round pick. Because just we so we don't make sure we got it yeah. exactly. Um, so I think there's going to be an interest for him. I don't see a ton of trade chips on the Jaguars roster, and, and we could talk about that closer to the season when the roster starts getting a little bit more shaken out. Um, I think Visca is going to stay put now. There was some buzz there for just a brief time about him maybe being a trade chip. I don't think anybody's going to trade for Marvin Jones, um, you know, and I think everybody else on defense is somebody we want to keep, you know, um, if we can. Uh, so overall, man, it's, I have a hard time hating on this draft class and it's so easy to do it in recent years because like outside of like, and I say the first round, our first round picks haven't been great. Um, 
you know, outside of Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence. But usually those second and third round picks are usually all right. And then we get into some more obscurity later in the draft. But I have a really hard time being upset with this haul. Um, you get four bona fide starters right off the top, which, which is tough to do. And then you get three guys that are more developmental pieces, which is kind of what the later rounds are for. Uh, you get a running back who's going to play a role early and probably, and hopefully if things go well, not as much of a role late. And then you have two DBs that are probably going to shine on special teams and find a way. Um, I give a little bit of an edge to Gregory Jr. to find a way on the field at DB before Buster Brown, just because I, I really like Gregory Jr., uh, just from everything I see. But hopefully these guys are able to just really play a, a niche role on special teams and not have to play much DB this year because we have good showings out of Darius Williams, Shaq Griffin, and Tyson Campbell. Trey Hunterton is a guy who is back and has been a serviceable player. Um, you have to wonder – where he stands now that we've added two more corners. Overall, the consensus around the national media was B, you know, kind of was the consensus around the national media was a B grade. But you have to remember, we're basically adding another first-round pick this year in Travis Etienne. Um, so we basically got three first-round picks that are going to be playing their first football, really, for the Jaguars. Um, so I, I, think there's, I think there's reason to be optimistic about the Jaguars, especially defense. I agree. I agree. Those those four four first uh, the first four picks are, are very good players and, and should see uh, you know an immediate impact on the field, uh, especially the first three. Uh, Chad Muma, uh, we'll see you know how much they work him into the field. Um, you know if if he if he's not on the field, you know he's a very good depth piece to have, uh, and if he is on the field, if he is on the field, he's a he's a fantastic football player that can that can make some plays for you. You know, and then you got Gregory Jr., who uh, I have high hopes for. To, to kind of step into that role that Chris Claybrooks had a few years ago and, and hopefully develop it a, a little bit better into a, you know, a guy that you know, you feel really good about having um, behind uh, Darius Williams, Shaq Griffin and Tyson Campbell. So I, I think we're, we're kind of in agreement, you know, Jaguars overall, you know, Trent Balky did a fairly good job in, uh, in a hashtag, hashtag bulky masterclass in his first draft uh, <laughs> without, without Urban Meyer and, I, and and to be honest with you I thought he, he did a pretty good job last year with uh Tyson Campbell uh, you know ETN we can you know have a debate about first and if, back, if Walker if Walker Little if Walker Little wins the right tackle job that's another good pick another feather in Walkie's cap yeah then you know obviously Trevor Morris is a no-brainer so I'm not gonna you know praise him for being a master there or a genius but uh if, but yeah, if, yeah. if, if Balky if Balky has another good draft in 2023, is it time to start saying it was Harbaugh's fault in San Francisco? Oh, man. No, I don't think oh, so. Man. Um, you know, I think it's a win-win because, like, you know, we the Jaguars really can't lose in this situation if other than another bad year of Trevor Lawrence's development. But say the Jaguars are good this year. like, And when we say good, say they win seven games, which is a huge jump. I mean – Doug Peterson should be coach of the year in the NFL if we win seven games. This is still a bad football team. Don't don't, don't yeah, let us if, don't let us uh, you know raise the raise if, the bar. If too we much. win if we win seven games, Balky keeps his job because things are turning in a good direction. If we win three games, he's fired. I mean, and it's it's a win win for Jaguars fans because he's he's either he earns either earns the right to stay or he's gone. Yeah, and it's, so, it's really going to come down to Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, like year two is supposed to be the year where we see a difference. Um, and I, I think we made 
a really, really good head coach hire for Trevor to have a good season. Um, you know, Doug Peterson played quarterback in the NFL for over, over a decade. He played with some really good starting quarterbacks, Hall of Fame level guys, played under some really, really good coaches. Um, he's got a good, you know, he's part of the Andy Reid tree. He's got a good resume. He's had success with quarterbacks. He's had success with quarterbacks that are not as talented as Trevor Lawrence. Nick Foles is not as talented as Trevor Lawrence. I don't think Carson Wentz is as talented as Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, he was having some pretty good offenses in Kansas City with, like, I don't even know who the quarterback – Alex Smith, I guess. Yep. Yeah. And who, who was a good football player? I'm not trying to say Alex Smith was, like, bad. Um, but Trevor Lawrence is the most naturally gifted quarterback Doug Peters has ever coached. Um, other than, I guess, technically he coached Michael Vick, which is – he's talented in a whole different set of skill set. Um, but he, he did coach Michael Vick when he was a quarterback coach at, uh, in Philadelphia. There's, God, there's, I love Michael Vick. <laughs> but there, it's just I, – like I said, it's, it's the most naturally talented quarterback Doug has ever coached. There's reason to be optimistic. Uh, let's just not, you know, get too far ahead of ourselves. This is still, um, you know, very much a, a roster where it's, it's a lot more of what can these guys do and not so much what are these guys right now. Christian Kirk is Jerry Rice, man. Do you not under, Do you not read Jack Twitter? Oh man, yeah, it's uh, a lot and, of Jaguars uh, fans Evan, thinking. Evan Ingram is Tony Gonzalez. A lot of Jaguars um, fans thinking that Christian Kirk's going to have you know thirteen hundred yards. Are going to be very very disappointed come come next year. Hey, and on this pod, if Christian Kirk has thirteen hundred yards, we'll be the first ones to say, "I'm sorry, Mr. Kirk." Like it's not like it's a bad thing. Like that's what a lot of people <laughs> on Jaguars Twitter don't get. Like if me are wrong on some of our predictions cool We're happy. that's a good thing yeah, yeah exactly like who that. cares it's not like i'm gonna still be arguing the fact after um you know i'm not gonna be randy quaid in major league two saying oh who cares if they're good they'll blow it in the playoffs like no i'm gonna be just as thrilled as everybody else is yeah i like um, i like christian kirk i i just uh yeah i don't i don't feel it's fair to the players to put these unreasonable expectations on these guys and then bash them when they don't reach them yeah so um, what I think is interesting now is you're starting to see a little bit of free agency pick up again. You know, Tyron Matthew in one of the coolest stories to me ever comes home to New Orleans to sign with the Saints. We have money available now, you would assume, off of the Cam Robinson extension. Um, you assume that freed up some cap for 2022. Do you look at going to add a guy like Will Fuller, uh, who's still out there and who's been injured but is still very productive? That can play X. I'm looking. I'm looking at still at receiver, and I'm uh, and I'm looking at O line depth. You know, I'm not yep. looking for a starter. I mean, but Casey McDermott yeah, had, is your backup guard right now. I, I would like to. Uh, yeah, I would like to upgrade there. Uh, no offense to, to my uh, my guy, but uh, you know, those are two positions that I look at. Um, I am excited about our uh, undrafted free agent acquisition, uh, Kevin Austin from Notre Dame. Excited about that. You know, uh, he's got a real shot to make the team. We'll see how much he plays, if at all. Um, you know, special teams uh, is another option there. Stupid fast dude for a 6'2 guy. Uh, but but I, I think that wide receiver and O-line are two areas where I'd like Balky to look at free agency once again and, and see who's available and see who's, you know, try to work out something so, so we can get some depth here um, at our receiver and, and O-line group. What did you well, – uh, there's, um, there's also the, uh, the Eagles released, um, you know, a guard in Nate Herbig. Uh, who's only 23 years old, um, who was drafted Stanford. under Doug Peterson's regime. He's Stanford, right? 
uh, and he's a free agent now. Uh, so that's a guy that you would expect the Jaguars to maybe reach out to. Um, obviously, he was drafted by the Eagles when Doug Peterson was the head coach. So obviously, there's a background there. There's some history. Um, and we could use guard depth. Um, so that that's a guy, uh, Herbig, to keep you know, keep an eye on, uh, you know, depending on what opportunities become available for him. Uh, they had trade talks apparently with a few teams. Nothing really materialized. He was a restricted free agent. Um, but I think that uh, that's the name to keep an eye on because there's just that natural link, and that's what we do here. You know, anybody that has a has a, a podcast or a you know a website, anytime anybody talks ball, you know, most we can do sometimes is is just to try to connect dots, and and that's one I think to keep an eye on. And uh, just going back to the draft, um, you know, is there anything that you you wanted to touch on, maybe just in general for the NFL? You know, I I was shocked by how late the quarterbacks went. You know, I don't necessarily disagree, you know, that they were that caliber of player. Um, but, uh, you know, the NFL has a tendency to overdraft quarterbacks. And it seemed that the NFL looked at this draft class very similarly to uh, the rest of us and just said, hey, you know, it's maybe better to cash our chips in next year. Well, you knew, you knew, you knew the Steelers were probably in a position where they were going to take somebody. Um, you know, they had uh, – they added Mitch Trubisky. Unfortunately, they had the, the horrible passing of Dwayne Haskins. Um, so they had a, um, a need to add at quarterback. And so adding Kenny Pickett was not a surprise. You know, um, Mike Tomlin was a big fan of him and Malik Willis. Um, but you have to think, when I was able, I was shocked in the moment that Malik Willis didn't go in the first round. But when I was able to step back and kind of look at the bigger picture, the teams that needed quarterbacks, quote unquote, are not teams – there's only one team that I thought was desperate that they needed a quarterback, and that was the Carolina Panthers. And the reason being, Pete Carroll is not desperate. Like, he's in a situation to where he still has some good pieces in Seattle, and I don't think he felt like he desperately needed that quarterback. And also, Atlanta, you know, um, you know Atlanta's staff has only been there now for going on their second season. Um, so there wasn't, I think, a lot of pressure on them yet to make a big splash. So I think Carolina was really the only team that desperately needed to try to get a quarterback. And, and I think, honestly, I, I think Carolina landed their starter. I think Matt Corral is going to end up being the starter. He's going to start more games, I think, than Sam Darnold does this year. And, and they, may um, look ba- they, may lo- they may look back at, uh, at the Baker Mayfield uh, situation. Maybe they, they call back Cleveland and, and see what's up there. That's going to that's gonna be the storyline to watch from now until camp is, does Baker – does he report still? Does he show to Cleveland? Does he – because at some point, you there are still many that believe Deshaun Watson will be suspended at some point. The, does Baker the, just the, the, swallow his pride and do it? Or does he say, F this, which is kind of probably what I would do, and, I mean, take some of that Hulu money and sit at the house. You know, um, Major League Baseball kind of set the bar. Major League Baseball kind of set the bar to Trevor Bauer uh, at um, two years. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting deal. Um, the draft, well, one thing that I loved, it was, a, I guess it was sort of surprising, was with people saying that there wasn't that many first-round grades on players, to see that many teams trading showed that there were still players that were very valued by the NFL and by these teams, even though um, they may not have been a traditional year where there's, hey, there's 32 first-round grades or whatever. Um but yeah, you know, the, the movement the, was fun. It yeah, seemed like the, there was constantly a trade every every ten seconds. Um, I kept waiting on 
the Jaguars to make a trade up, even though I expected them not to. Uh, I was excited when they were able to. Um, I love what Detroit did moving up to be able to get Jamison Williams and Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, I loved New York's draft when you had a guy like Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Both and Jermaine Johnson. You know, uh, I thought, yeah, I thought the the Giants did a tremendous job also. Um, Thibodeau's landing spot for me, I didn't expect. I, I expected him to be gone before the Giants picked at five or fall to the Jets at 10. I, I had a weird grade on him. But, no, I, it was – I wouldn't say anything surprised me, strictly because the draft was so unpredictable. Um, but I was surprised to not see the quarterbacks go higher. But next year, I mean, next year I think there's like, what, like five quarterbacks, maybe six that have first-round potential. Now, the season will iron that out because Sam Howell – was going number one in mock drafts a year ago, you know, to some people. So, like, yeah. you have to, like, take it with a grain of salt how many quarterbacks are valued. Well, he, was the only one, he was the only one that anyone knew who he was. Yeah. You know, like Malik but next Miller. year, I mean, next year you have, you have Stroud. You have Bryce Young. Uh, you're going to have – Jerkovic. You know, the cat out of Kentucky. You're going to have um, – Jerkovic from Boston College, Anthony Jerkovic Richardson. Jerkovic from Boston College, Anthony Richardson. I mean, there's there's going to be so many quarterbacks. Van Dyke. Um, yeah, and so the season will iron out who's a first-round pick. Um, but it's going to be one of those things next year. Think about this. We wanted to trade number one this year. We couldn't. Say next year we improve, but we're picking sixth. Probably going to get a lot of trade calls for that sixth pick next year because teams or, are going to be desperate. Or we're going to take the guy that, that fell because quarterbacks went the one through five or one through four. Yeah. One through I mean, if we could, if we could land Will Anderson out of Alabama, you know, Jalen um, Carter, um, Jackson Smith, and uh, Jigba, uh, Keyshawn Butte. I mean, that's it, going to be a, next year's class is looking really good. Um, yeah. But, but in terms of this year, you know, I, I think the Jaguars are a better team right now than they were. Uh, you know, 34 months ago uh, after the season. Um, you know, I think, that, I think that there's some promising pieces to be optimistic about going forward. Um, you know, both, both acquired from free agency and the draft. You know, I, I know that a lot of Jaguar fans weren't happy that Balky was kept, uh, but at this point you, you just kind of look at it and, and uh, you know, you hope he is the guy for the sake of the team and the franchise. You know, like there, there's a lot to be optimistic about. There's also a lot to be optimistic about on – Duval till we pod because we've got some cool stuff, you know, in the works to come up, um, you know, recent uh, in the next, you know, uh, couple weeks. Um, you know, we've reached out to a couple guys um, who cover some of these teams uh, that we drafted players from, uh, and you know, uh, Aaron Gershon, uh, who is a Kentucky beat writer for the Cats, Paul's twenty four seven, is going to come on with us soon to talk a little Luke Fortner. Uh, and Josh Newman, also from um, the Salt Lake Tribune. He's the beat writer for the University of Utah. Uh, he's also going to come on with us soon to talk a little Devin Lloyd. Um, so, and uh, we've, we've got some cool things kind of in the works to, you know, add a little bit of flavor to uh, Daniel and myself. So, uh, it's exciting times for, you know, not only the, the infancy of our pod, but also some optimism for the team that we all love. Uh, so there, there, there's plenty to be excited about here in the next uh, you know, weeks to months. There's, there's finally more. Uh, Jaguar fans have, have more to look forward to than, than just Trevor Lawrence, uh, it, you know, in the coming year. So, I, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, 
you know, the, the Jaguars did uh, a pretty good job in the draft and free agency, and uh, it, only time will tell as to how that exactly will shape out. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Trevor Lawrence has a fantastic uh, second year, and, uh, and we're picking a lot higher uh, in next year's draft. Do you have anything else, my friend, before we wrap this up? No, man, I, I, th- I think it's time to call it a night. All righty. Well, with that, I will bid you all adieu. Thank you, guys. As always, and uh, do Volta Weepod.